Well, good morning to everybody again. Uh, yeah, today we're going to be talking about Jesus Christ being the good shepherd that brings to us what we truly need. You know, in South Africa, what has been going on the last few weeks, especially when this uh, all this looting happened and everything that was going on in South Africa, I just came to the conclusion that I don't think... Uh, People really need think know what they need, what God knows man need. We want to provide for people in a way, and we want to provide for people things that they don't really need. When we look at what was going on in our country, and when people from different countries look at what's going on in their country, political unrest and all those kind of things, we come to conclusions that is uh, and solutions that is not the true solution. The true solution that there is for humanity and the true need that humanity has is life. They need eternal life. That is what God has come to bring us, and I believe that is what the church need to understand. The church need to understand, especially the church, the, the Christians, that we have a Jesus that was raised from the dead that brings life to us. So every one of you, as we are sitting here, uh, even in our live Zoom meeting now, as you're sitting there in your house, I want you to know that the true need that humans have is eternal life. That is what we need. And that eternal life is defined as uh, having all of us, the whole human being, clothed with life. And what we need to understand is our revelation and the surety that we can have that this is going to be the case and that Jesus was truly raised from the dead and how we see ourselves united and included into that truth is going to determine uh, the peace we experience in this life. The lack of understanding that this is truly true uh, will bring forth what I would call a, um, a life born from lack where you lack life, where you try to produce life by the uh, limited life there is in a mortal body. It sounds very complicated, but it's actually very simple, very easy to understand. If you take somebody and you close his nose and his mouth and he starts to suffocate, you will find that his body, by its own ability to try and survive, start to... Um, become anxious and start to do things and that things that the body would do the the uh, the fight it will start to put up that fight it's putting up uh, that fight would be for life it would be things that the body naturally does to survive to get oxygen to get air and that would only be equivalent to the power of your muscles the power of your own ability that is what what is uh, what's taking place you know if the um, if the physical body is uh, suffocating but you could uh, intravenously give enough oxygen to the human body you'll find that the human body was kind of calm down because it find it found another source of life and i think that is exactly what's going on in christianity uh, when we realize and this is how christianity works when we realize that we have a different source of life and that life is talking about life physical life 
uh, just life itself, if we realize that we have eternal life and that has been promised to us by somebody that is very faithful, that is loving and caring, that has got um, our best at heart and that he wants to save and preserve our lives. And if we can see some proof that that is truly so, we will find the, um, in the Afrikaans, we, we say it this way, benode kat maak, benode spronge. I don't know how to put that in English, but when you are basically in a tight spot, you will kind of do anything to survive. That, that will be removed from your life. You will have that life that's born from anxiety and self-preservation and all those kind of things removed from you, and you will live in peace. Uh, when we look at the news, when we look at governments, when we look at, I mean, just yesterday, the or the day before yesterday, the police was here at our house and there was somebody that was in the street and he, um, the week before, he was caught for a breaking into a house and the police officer said to me, he doesn't know why it is like that, but he was released and he's in the street again, busy with the very same thing again. And they chased him away just from my house here. I didn't even know. Uh, the officer came to buy something from us that we advertised on Facebook. And um, he says, when he came to our house, all of a sudden, here was this guy. And he he um, he chased, when he told him, hey, what what are you doing? The guy ran off. He called some other officers and, and they, they caught him just down this down the street here when you look at all these things you can look at your life you can look at how fragile life is and when we look at how fragile life is but we don't have the assurance of eternal life and when i talk about eternal life i'm not talking about going to heaven i'm talking about what god has defined in the resurrected jesus christ when we look at eternal life and that is something that is sure in us we will find that our bodies our minds our subconscious mind all of that will not go into a spasm for oxygen uh, we will not start to do things that is that we're not supposed to do we will not live in fear we will just we will look at it and say wow well uh, we may be just glad that he didn't break in and steal or something like that but we will have peace in our hearts and that peace will not come from the direct environment we are in but it will come from the inner knowing uh, the surety that we have eternal life and as well as what we're going to discuss today living from the heavenly realm living from the heavenly realm uh, you know I want to just read what I read uh, just before we did the worship um, for those people that watch this later on, this is a recording from uh, the service we have, our Sunday service uh, that we have here uh, via Zoom because of the COVID regulations and things. We still cannot have our meetings because our venue is not big enough uh, to seat all the people to do it safely. So uh, we're still doing our Zoom meeting and we have people from different places slotting in. Now, before our service, we read this part here just for those that want to um, yeah so bear with me um, those of you that have heard this before but I want to read it just for our audience that will hear this later this is and what I what I'm about to read to you is uh, I think of vital importance in living a life of peace in understanding the gospel uh, 
You know, when we look at this book, when you look at this Bible, it is a very thick book, and it is written over many, 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 many years, thousands of years. This is written. It's written to people that were thinking differently, that had, uh, I mean, just different societies, different languages, different barriers. If I just look at South Africa, if you take uh, the difference that there is between uh, my father's, my grandfather's generation and our generation and my children, the difference is so big that it can take, you, you can write books about the differences and you can find people really struggling to understand one another. Now, what about a difference between cultures? If you take the uh, the culture of the Khoi people here, I think it's the oldest people group on the planet, um, you know, that's here in Southern Africa, and we take Europeans, bringing them together, taking, um, you, you know, the people that's from KwaZulu-Natal, the Zulu people, their culture, their history, bringing them together, their way of communication and trying to interpret all of that. Now, what about taking thousands of years. I mean, you can read this Bible and the lens through which you read it is going to determine how complicated this book is. Now, this is how I've basically uh, narrowed it down. Uh, after reading the Bible for many years, studying it out, it seems that I've come to a very simplistic understanding of everything or something that makes it very simple. And this is what I wrote on Facebook here. I says, I don't like to think of myself as a spirit, having a soul and living in a body, although spirit, soul, and body is mentioned by Paul in his teachings. I like to think of myself as a human being, since, it's ma since it makes the gospel very simple. A human sin, a human died, a human was raised, now humans have the hope of eternal life simple. Eternal life is easy to understand. Death is simple to understand. Creation makes sense. The empty grave makes sense. Resurrection makes sense. Why we live holy is easy to understand. The definition of salvation is simple. We say it from death. <laughs> the understanding of spirit, soul, and body becomes simplistic. Even the order of Melchizedek is logical uh, from seeing yourself as a human instead of a spirit living in a body. I am so glad that whatever God had in mind is seen in the glorified human being, Jesus Christ, which is also called the God-man. Thanks be to God for the simplicity in the man, Christ Jesus. You know, when we look at the problems of the world and we look at ourselves and we see ourselves just as human beings, the gospel really start to make sense. People, and, and if you look at the world and the problems that there is in the world, you find the biggest problem is that people are dying. There's a lack of life. Uh, people would look at the food problem. They would say, why is there, why are we scared of a food shortage? It's because we are afraid of 
life, uh, 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 having enough life. We don't have enough life. We need life. It's about how long can we live? Will we survive? And when we look at the gospel, we find that God addresses that very issue. He addresses that very issue. He brings forth an empty grave. He brings forth a human being that can live forever. He appoints this human being as the ruler over mortal man with a purpose to bring eternal life to dying humans. What he does, and this is what we see historically, what took place and what we experience, is that as we believe the gospel, the good news of eternal life, defined just inside the simple parameters of what a human being is. As we look at that and we see that, uh, we find that the, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of this life is poured out on us. And as we believe in this good news, we find that we are not living anymore from the source of mortality, but we're living from the hope of immortality and our lives change. We don't try to preserve our lives anymore. We find that a loving God is preserving our life. A loving God is preserving who we are. Um, Letitia Ace, uh, man, I just, I just love uh, her art, her, the, 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 the gift that God has given this lady to, um, to, to paint. And she's now made a painting, and it will be released soon. It, it will be available, and I'm sure she will put it up everywhere. Um, and it is called uh, Checkmate. And it is a painting about Jesus just at his crucifixion with a thorn, uh, the crown of thorns, and you could just see him entering death. And you can see the... Uh, and, and the whole thing, like it's called Checkmate, uh, one day you'll see this painting. But what it, to me, when I look at the painting, what it addresses is what Jesus is truly going into. That's what I see in it. He is in a checkmate himself because he's facing death, and death is defined as going into the grave. That is the definition of death. He's dying. And um, there's also light in the background shining on him, having the hope of the resurrection. This is God's checkmate on the enemy and death itself. W when we look at all of this, it just makes so much sense. When we realize that man's problem is death, God addresses the death problem. Jesus faces death. He doesn't, he's not facing hell and demons and angels somewhere in another place. He's facing death, man. He's facing the grave. He's facing the real problem of humanity. He's facing uh, the dust of the earth. That's what he's facing. He's facing the fears of humanity. That is what he's facing, the fear of death. That is what he's facing. That fear is grabbing a hold of him as what he is, a human being. But he puts his trust in the Father. And we know that as the devil thought that he was 
putting a checkmate, putting God, putting humanity in checkmate. I don't know if you've ever played chess. I've, I've played chess in school a lot. You know, you think you're checkmating this guy and then he made a move and you realize you're in checkmate. Um, that is exactly what took place in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was a checkmate on death. If we can realize, church, uh, if we can realize this truth, if we can see ourselves as human beings, I'm not saying there's not a thing like a spirit, a soul, and a body, and that we can use the language Paul used to address the Gnostics of his time, the Greek philosophers of his time. We can use that language as well, but we're not Greek philosophers. We're not Gnostics. Uh, let us think within the terms of God's creation. Let us think inside the terms of what God has made, brought forth. Just the resurrected Jesus, man. This human, he's, he himself, in Hebrews 5, 7, it's written that he himself cried out to God who could save him from death. So that is it. He felt when he was crying out with deep, a deep cry within him, he, was, he felt that he's checkmated by death here. Uh, anxiety and fear came up in his heart, but there was all that he had was a promise from the Father, a promise of eternal life. And that promise, by the spirit of that promise, shaped Jesus' life into a way of living that even in the clutches of death, he was calm, he was um, in control, he, was, he, was, he had a life controlled by the life God promised him. And what did the Father do? The Father raised him from the dead. Now, I want to tell you, th this sounds far-fetched, when we think of the realities of the problems of the world. But this is God's solution. The Bible says, and we talked about this in depth last Sunday, especially if you, um, I mean, last Sunday I preached to all of you in Afrikaans, uh, but if you go and watch the English message, coming close to God, experiencing God in the flesh, the high priest that we needed was such a one, a one that has conquered physical death and offers us the solution, which is eternal life. And we then, when we behold this truth and start to live from the, this reality, we then from the heavenly place where we are co-seated with Christ are waiting for Christ. I mean, from this reality of the resurrection, we are awaiting for Christ to change our mortal bodies into immortal bodies. This is the gospel that Paul preached. This is what Peter preached, and we're going to look at, at those passages. Um, I want us to go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Well, let me, let me quickly just read something else here. Um, last night I just put a lot of things here on Facebook, and it's just what was in my heart. I've put it this way here in, um, in this short, short post. I says, I don't want to go to heaven I want heaven to come to earth. We, we've, and that is what God wants. That was his prayer. That's, what he, that's how he taught us. Pray this prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What, what is the prayer? We, we don't want to leave earth. 
We want heaven, eternal life, that which is in the heavens, to manifest in the earth. We want this mortality to be clothed with life. And we know that it cannot be done by ourselves. It's, it's the promise of God. And as we are sure of this promise, fear is removed from our hearts. What I'm talking about is, and let me read it to you. This is what I have in mind. The firstborn of the new cre- creation order is the God-man upon the throne of all power and all authority. The firstborn of the new creation, or as I would put it in my terms, is the creation God always had in mind. There was a creation, but we now call it the new creation, or we can also say the further creation or the completion of what God had in mind. The first one that was born into the new creation is the God-man which is upon the throne of all power and authority. His name is Jesus. So God had a creation in mind. He didn't have another place in mind. He had a creation in mind. And this new creation is created from the materials of this world. Jesus Christ, born of a woman, born under the law, he entered into new creation. He was created as a man that has his origin of life as God and not natural life. Listen to this. The firstborn of new crea- the new creation order the order of eternal life, is the God-man upon the throne of all power and authority. Let it sink in. When you see Jesus as a divine, immortal human, a God-man, one born of a woman, changed, spiritualized, raised up into the incorruptible body, you see exactly what God is and have always been after. When you see Jesus, born of a woman, changed into a human being, if you want to call it like that, called a God-man who now lives forever, you have seen what God's plan has always been and you now see what God has always been after. This mortal must put on immortality. We see the natural creation all around us, but this natural creation is not the finished product, but it's the beginning um, of it. Neither is a non-physical spiritual world God's plan at all. Creation is still in process of being made into a kind of a creation God started out to make. God is still creator. Behold, I make all things new, says God. The first, crea- the first of creation that God had in mind was put on display. It is the resurrected Jesus. So what God had in mind, what God puts on display for all of us, the first of what God had in mind from the beginning, he has put on display, it is the resurrected Jesus. Jesus, where he is today, didn't 
abandon or leave or shed his physicality. His physicality only has God as source of life, meaning that Jesus is alive today bodily, not because he breathes, not because of oxygen, not because of food or anything, but because of God. God is his father. And that is God's message to all of us. And we as human beings, when we look at the problems of the world, the problem of the world is that, and why things go the way they go, I believe is mainly because people don't believe this. They don't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, that his resurrection includes them, that their lives are safe and secure cure in him. They don't believe that. They believe that uh, eternal life is something uh, where your spirit, some place where your spirit goes one day and the body is uh, therefore at a place where it needs to care for itself. And since we're in this physical world, since we have these bodies, these bodies are lacking life Everybody live in a lust for life. They are lusting after life. They live like people whose mouth and noses are closed. They cannot breathe. They only have the three minutes of oxygen in their lungs and they are fighting for life. And in this fight for life, one is oppressing the other because you're lacking life. You cannot see that another one lives because his life means that you're losing life. There are people that obviously think, and that this is a big discussion uh, in the world and in the news media, and that is that we cannot have too many people on the earth because there's only so much, so many resources on the earth to keep humanity alive so we cannot have overpopulation because what if there's too many people do you see the fear another person is going to take my food if you think of the preppers you know they've got the guns they've got the um they've got all of that are you okay you saw who's my scott <laughs> Eliana's uh, starting to cough here. Do you need some water? Yeah. So, um, if we look at the preppers, they prep food. I mean, they, they, they store away all the food. And what is that for? That is so that they can live. And then, what's the next thing they need? Them guns. <laughs> Why? Because... Of a because they've got no idea that they have the promise of eternal life. Neither do they believe it. They believe that when their bodies die, that body can never live again. Life is over for that body. That's why the body, the psyche, the mind, the brain is all around keeping life for itself. You might say, but Bertie, can't you just preach a simple message about God loving us? That's exactly what I'm doing now. <laughs> Glory to God. Listen to what the gospel is. We're going to uh, 1 Corinthians 15. It says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel 
I preached to you, which you received on, and on which you have taken your stand. So in other words, what he's saying is you, you take your stand on this. If you take your stand on politics, you know, politically, how do I take my stand politically? I take my stand on the gospel. What is this gospel? It says, by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. So he says, we are saved by the gospel if we continue to believe upon this word. He says, and why is it that we are not saved when we don't believe upon the word? It's very simple. If you believe that you have eternal life in Jesus, you experience, the moment you believe that, you'll experience freedom from fear, freedom from anxiety, and all those kind of things. It's like if somebody closed your nose and your mouth, but you, and let's say this true, that you would have another pathway of air. You know, like if somebody's in a, a, a bad accident, sometimes they make an, a, a hole right here and the person can breathe. So you can close the nose and the mouth, but the person will not be anxious. Why? Because there's another pathway for life. So if we know that we have eternal life uh, and we believe that, it gives us peace. But the moment we don't believe that, the moment we our minds has changed from eternal life, a the way God intended it, not a spirit thing somewhere, talking about the way God defines eternal life, the resurrected Jesus. The moment we believe that, we will find, oh, the moment, the moment we stop to believe that, we will find that we are becoming anxious. We start to fear. All those things will start to take place, and we're not experience, experiencing a life that is saved from those anxieties. Okay, so it says here we need to believe this. Then verse 3, For we have received, and I pass unto you, as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have already fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then he appeared to the apostles, and last of them all, he appeared to me as one that is abnormally born or born out of time. Now he goes on and he's addressing the resurrection, and he says that it is preached, uh, and it says here, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So he's saying if, if Jesus is preached bodily raised, how do some of you say that that is not of importance anymore and that is not what we should expect? He goes on and he says that if there is no such a thing as bodily resurrection, then people have utterly perished when those that have died, the believers that have died, then they will be no more and they are completely dead. That's how radical Paul is about this whole thing. Goes on to verse 35, he says here, but some will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of a body will they come? So this is now the language that we need to talk about today because I believe if I'm a good 
a, a, a shepherd, if I'm a good pastor to you, I'm going to feed you with solid food. I'm going to feed you with what you need to hear. Solid food, the Bible says in in, in, uh, Philippians and also in Hebrews, it says solid food is to have the mindset of the resurrection. Solid food is to have the mindset of eternal life as defined in Jesus, where we in this physical world live with a mentality of the physicality of the resurrection and the hope of eternal life as promised to us by God. Again, that is what every person needs to know. And should a person really believe this, you will find that the spirit of this truth calm him down. He's not going to loot shops. He's not going to hoard up for himself and not see the light shine on somebody else. He's not going to be afraid that if he does business, that that um, he, everything needs to be so... Uh, cutthroat that nobody else can survive you will you will find a life people will live a life as if life is not in short supply and that's where they will also live a life financially as if money is not in short supply because they will not see the source of their life as money anymore things will change in this world This world, the the police systems of this world, the political system of this world, the people of this world need the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the message that Jesus Christ was bodily raised, that the grave was empty, that he, um, that, that they will be, they've got the surety in Christ of eternal life and that no part of them has lacks life, that they've got more than enough life in the bank in Christ Jesus. That's what they need. That's what politicians need, according to God. I mean, you you might think differently. I might think differently. But according to God, this is what people need. This is what you need when you feel afraid. What I need when I feel afraid is to have my mind washed from from a lack of life, the knowledge of a lacking life, having my mind refreshed at where I am seated. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. What that means is my life is lived from from the reality of his immortal flesh, his eternal life, the God-man, as the first of the true creation that God had in mind, the real thing God had in mind, and that from that creation, my life is born and shaped and fashioned into the very same. The question that the people ask at that time, so with what body will the, the resurrect these people that are raised from the dead come? Let's read it. It says here, What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant that body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as it has, as, as he has determined. And each kind of seed gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have 
one kind of a flesh and animals have an, and birds have another flesh. So what he's talking about here is flesh. He's talking about a body. He's talking about celestial beings. He's talking about animals and all those kind of things because what he's addressing here in Corinth is people that believed in reincarnation. In other words, you die and then you are reincarnated into another human being. And he says, listen, man, if you die as a physical human being, the way the resurrection works is you're not going to be raised as a physical human being that can die again. God has got another glory that he's going to give to the man that is raised from the dead. So this is not reincarnation. He's, he's addressing reincarnation here because these people believe that when you die and the resurrection would then be that you become a star in the heavens and then you've got the glory of a star or you then become a fish and or you become an uh, uh, an animal, or those kind of things. And what Paul is basically addressing here, he says, listen, if you are a human and you died as a human, you're going to be raised as a human, but not a mortal human. It will be like Jesus. He died as a mortal human, but the mortal man was raised again, and now he lives forever. That is how it will be for us. Let's bear with me through this bit of a boring part that talks about the uh, the reincarnation he says therefore i said there are heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies but the splendor of the heavenly body is of one kind and the splendor of the earthly body is of another kind the sun has one kind of splendor the moon has an and the stars have different kinds of splendor he says so will it be in the resurrection of the dead the body that is sown is perishable the very body that was sown the perishable one it is raised imperishable so the, what it talks about what we will have is an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor, in other words, death, and it is weak. It is raised in glory. The very same body is raised, but what's different about the body is the source that gives it life. It can now and will now live forever. It's raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. So you still have a body, but it will be uh, spiritual. If spiritual talks about the kind it is. It doesn't mean it, you become a spirit. It simply means that it is spiritual, meaning it is eternal. That is the context here. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. So it's written, the first man, Adam, became a living being or a natural being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit or a being or a human, if you want to call it like that, that is living forever. I want to go down to um, verse 51. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all die. But we will be changed in the flesh, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. Can you see what it means to be clothed with heaven? It's to become imperishable. And we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. This is what must happen. And this is the mindset that Paul preached towards the people. This was the gospel 
of the resurrection. Not just the gospel of the resurrection, it is the gospel. This is what saves you from being governed by the things of this world, is the knowledge that you are seated with an imperishable Jesus, that you are one with him, that when you believe upon him, you are eating his flesh. You are partaking of his incorruptibility. This is the gospel. But church, um, and I know, you know, some, and I've, I've had people say, this is not about me. I just want to say, this is not about me. And the reason why I'm saying what I'm about to say to you now, it's not because it's about me and Dynamic Love Ministries or so. It is just to say that I do understand that it can be a question in people's minds or, or, or there can be people that say, Bertie, you know, why don't we just go back to the simple gospel of Jesus loves me, God is not angry, and he's not going to beat me for the wrong things I've done. Why don't we just keep to that simple message? Well, that simple message, we, we preached it and we will continue to preach it uh, because that is what people struggle with. But that message was not the one Paul preached. And it was also not what Jesus preached. It was not what they would say all the time. It was mentioned just while they walked, they would just mention it. God is not conscious of of our sins. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation and that we are righteous not uh, by our works but by God making a promise and so forth. And there are some of those things there. And when people struggle with that, that is what we will minister. That is what we will bring. That is what people need. And I want to just say it right now. You don't sit with a God that had to be reconciled by Jesus. Jesus reconciled you. Uh, and the God already had peace. God's mind was already in order. But when Jesus died and when he rose again, it was to reconcile you back unto who and what God is. It was to bring peace to you. It was to remove your anger. It was to remove your hurt. You are reconciled back to him where he is the one that is the source of life and you don't bring life by yourself. I want to say to everybody that ever felt excluded because of your own works, you are not saved by your own works. You're not saved by what you must do. You don't sit with a God that is angry, that is sin conscious all the time. You sit with a God that loves you, that cares for you, that say you are his. You sit with a heavenly father that when the prodigal son was lost in his death, in his separation from the father, where he didn't even love the father anymore and wasted everything that the father has given him, wasted the whole inheritance, like the one person said, um, the father, uh, he, he divided the inheritance and gave him the, the inheritance and he left with the inheritance. Uh, you know, like the one person said, he gave him all that was not actually his because the father must first, first die before, before you can inherit. But he still gave it. The father never disowned him. He just felt that my son is lost. I mean, all those things are true and they are beautiful and they are heartwarming and they are powerful. But as what that is heartwarming and powerful, more loving, more heartwarming, more powerful, of more effect is it when you understand these things that I'm talking about today.
This is, as I've come to understand it, what makes me truly happy, what gives me true peace. He says, this perishable must be clothed with the imperishable. This mortal must put on immortality. I understand that the desire for life is satisfied. My bodily desire, the, 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 this natural, it's as if my, um, the, the enemy has come and closed my mouth and my nose and I struggled for air, but God has opened another pathway for oxygen. And as m- normal people in this world, as they are suffocating and they are finding uh, fear and anxiety and all those kind of things, when they look at the politics, all those kind of things, because I found a new pathway to breathe, my body knows it will live forever. I don't know. What God has done for me, and it sounds if I testify about myself, but I just want to testify on what God has done for me. I've come, my body has come to believe in eternal life. (laughs) The cells of my body starting to believe this. And I find that my cells in my body is being arranged according to the peace of knowing eternal life as Jesus intended it for us. This perishable must be clo- must, must close itself with the imperishable. And this is what we need to know as the gospel. This is the answer for people. A life born from this is, will bring a change in this world. I can promise you that. When we have presidents, when we have politicians, when we have police officers, when we have a, a businessman, when we have school teachers, when we have uh, people that work in factories and uh, work, and they are they have a life born from the knowledge of their union in eternal life, where the whole human is saved, where salvation is not promised to the spirit. I don't like this teaching of my spirit is saved, my mind is being saved, and then my body shall be saved. I simply like the teaching that says that eternal salvation, as defined in the resurrection of Jesus, is mine. Um, And that is how I define salvation. And as I believe that, I experience how how that salvation brings peace to me now. That That is simple. Just simple. A man, a mortal, a a man, Adam died. Jesus came. He died but was raised from the dead. And now we have the hope of eternal life. God promised eternal life. Adam didn't believe it. He went into death. Jesus came. He showed us that God's promise is still true and more powerful than death. He was raised from the dead. He seated at the right hand of the Father. And the man through whom God from the beginning promised that we will live forever through him, that man manifested. We can look back into history. We can see the resurrected Christ. We now see ourselves united with him. We eat his flesh. The flesh we eat, the blood we drink is the eternal life of Jesus. We see that 
all, both Jew and Gentile in the physical flesh and death of Jesus are united. And we now identify with the resurrected Jesus where we see our hope from where we find our life. Glory to God. That is how, I just want to see it as simple as that. All this about, uh, there's just too much Gnosticism in the church. That is just it. If people can believe this, I tell you now, the world will immediately, even prior to bodily glorification, even prior to that, we will have a life that is much more peaceful in this world, much, much more. We will find love. We will find generosity. We will find kindness. We will not find leaders abusing us other people we will find peace the answer to the world is the gospel believed and the gospel is not god's not just angry the gospel is not just god just accept you the way you are although it is true the gospel is the good news that jesus christ was raised from the dead okay let's go to colossians Well, let us go to Peter, and then I'll go to Colossians. Colossians, Second Peter. And everything I've said is just written in these verses here. Second Peter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Just with what I preached now, that first verse, how can you read that verse? And, and not want to have tears in your eyes because this man said I'm a, ser I'm a servant and an apostle of Jesus the man Jesus who is the Christ the one that rules unto eternal life that is the understanding this man had when he wrote verse 1 to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. What is he saying here? He's saying, I want to just say that those who through the righteousness of our God and our Savior, when he says Savior, Jesus Christ, what does he think? He thinks of being saved from death, having eternal life. That's what he's thinking. He says, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge or the acknowledgement of God and Jesus our Lord. What does he have in mind when he writes that verse? He's thinking, the Father has got eternal life. This man Jesus has eternal life. And we have a multiplication of peace and an influential power from our union in eternal life through this man. Okay, now what I really want to read, verse 3. His divine power, what is his divine power? His resurrection power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us unto glory and goodness through these he has given us the very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption or mortality that is in this world by evil desires 
So there's a there's a there's this evil in this world because there's a lack of life, and what he's saying there is corruption in this world. There is a a normal nature in this world, an animal nature in this world, but we've escaped that. Why? Because the divine power, the power that raised Christ from the dead, as we have knowledge of the resurrection power, and we see ourselves seated in the eternal life now because of the promise that there is through the rule of the immortal Jesus, which will bring change our mortal bodies into immortality, through that hope, through that power, through that understanding, we now have escaped the corruption that is in this world. Why? Because we've got another pathway unto life. So we escape the spasms of trying to live. We've escaped that. We are not under the power of mortal flesh anymore because we live in the hope of eternal life. We have the surety that he rules over death. And as we believe upon that, What has he done? He has given us the Holy Spirit, which is the first fruit, which is the first down payment of um, this life from where we live. Let's go to Colossians quickly. Colossians 3. Now Colossians 3 will make more sense. So what is he saying in Peter? That he says we have escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. Lust for what? Lust for life. Lust for life. That is what he is saying. Let me read it. Sorry, I'm not going to rush. Let us read it. I have to read it uh, in the King James. This is what it says. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertains unto life and godliness. In other words, the power of the resurrection has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that has called us unto glory, which is eternal life and therefore a holy life. Whereby are given unto us through this resurrection of Jesus is given to us exceeding great and precious promises. So there are many things we can expect because Jesus was raised from the dead. That by these promises, we might be partakers of the divine nature, not the earthly nature, the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. Do you see this world lust for life? But we who have believed upon Jesus, knowing that we have eternal life as defined in an empty grave, raised from the dead, glorified, as I've explained in this message. We don't lust for life. We are sure that we have life. And because we don't lust for life, we are not corrupt. The reason why politicians are corrupt, and not just politicians, we look at politicians and see corruption there. The, The reason why... We see corruption in this world is because people lack 
life. They are lusting for life. They have not believed in the message of the resurrection. They have not believed in the message of eternal life, man. That's why they are fighting for life. And the only life there is is their neighbor's life. That's why they take life. They take life in the forms of stealing, robbing, lying, cheating, and all those kind of things because they need to gather life unto themselves because in this this lust for life, they are corrupted. The Bible says that laws and regulations doesn't have the power to satisfy the flesh with life. The only thing that can satisfy the flesh with life is when you see flesh raised from the dead, seated eternally at the right hand of God, and you can see yourself included in that, and that it is for you. When, when, that, when the bottom line conclusion that you come to is your inclusion in what Christ has done there, give to the point that your hope is sure, the moment that takes place, you'll find that your flesh is satisfied, and because your flesh is satisfied, it rests. It rests from its works. It rests from the works of the flesh. That's why you live holy. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let us end off with Colossians 3. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits, at the right hand of God. In other words, since we are risen with him, let our mindset be on this eternal life. Let our fellowship be inside this eternal life. Philippians 3 says it this way. It says, For our conversation is in heaven, from where we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our conversation, in other words, our citizenship, where we see ourselves, the foundation from where we reason, the platform, the logic from where we think is heavenly, eternal life, logic. It says, and from this reality that Jesus was raised from the dead and our union with him, from that truth, we expecting our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. This is the message that the world needs. Church, and if we don't uh, preach it, it will only be the Father mentioning it into the hearts of people, but they will not have a message that resonates with the inner man that and they will struggle in life. Let us preach this. Let us believe this. Let us live by this. This is the gospel that Paul preached. It's called the gospel of God. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's called the gospel of life. It's called the, the gospel of eternal life. It's called the gospel of the kingdom of God. And that is why I said, I don't want to go to heaven. I want heaven to come to earth. 
because my conversation is in heaven. And from this heavenly mindset, this heavenly reality, I am expecting from that truth, from that reality, Jesus will bring life and immortality to this earth. And so we will live in the fullness of God forever. Those who believe this, their flesh rests from sinning. Those who believe this, they rest from corruption and being dictated to by lacking life. Those who don't believe this is squabbling for the scraps of life that temporal life can offer. I've got good news for you. Jesus is your Lord. I've got good news for you. It was human flesh that was glorified. And he is the firstborn amongst many brethren. And the life you live as you believe on this is what we call a life born from him. Glory to God. Thank you that I could serve you with this message today. I trust that it is thought-provoking, life-giving to you as you believe this today, and that this will be the lens through which you see everything. Thank you so much, and God bless you. I would just like to thank everyone that contributes towards Dynamic Love Ministries. There are so many people that just uh, thank me via Facebook, emails, for uh, just what this ministry means to you. And thank you for encouraging me. That is very encouraging to hear that this message touches your life, changes your life, brings a good perspective on what the gospel is. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for that encouragement. I also want to just thank everybody that contribute financially. You give your money towards this ministry and you've faithfully been giving through the years. Thank you so much for that. Um, you know, during this COVID time, I've heard many people say that their finances went down during the COVID time because they couldn't have church meet meetings and so forth. But I want to thank you that have been giving faithfully. Some people even increased their giving. That in our case, we didn't have that. Uh, it was just going as always. Thank you so much for your financial contribution towards this ministry. It enables Celiana and I to give our full attention to the gospel. I can study the scriptures. I can have my mind around the scriptures. I don't have to think of um, money. You know, how, what am I going to do? Business. How am I going to work to try and sell products or do any of those kind of things? I can, during the day, have my mind uh, always focused on the gospel of Jesus. Uh, even if it is about politics, things of this world, uh, financial situations in this world, I can think and ponder upon those things from the perspective of the gospel of Jesus Christ all the time without spending time and thought on uh, business deals, uh, finances, or any of those kind of things at all. Uh, I don't have to have meetings with people, talking business and all of that, worry about do people... Uh, are they going to pay? Are they not going to pay? How are we going to do these things? There are many of you that are gifted in those areas and many of you working normal salaries and you just give from, um, from that. And I want to just thank you so much for that. It is really wonderful to 
to have the passion that is in my heart, which is to meditate, think, prepare messages, preach, and share the gospel. Uh, it's, it's wonderful that I can do that. And through your obedience and through the life that God has brought forth in you, this is possible. Uh, thank you so much for that. I just want to say I appreciate that. God bless.